everybody. Welcome to the Blackhawks on Tap postgame show, a production of the Four Feathers podcast, all brought to you by the On Tap Sports Network. I am Johnny Nani, joined by Patrick Comiskey tonight to discuss one of the greatest games in Blackhawks history. First of all, before we get into anything, Patrick, how you doing? How's quarantine going for you, man? Uh, we're doing this call over Skype, just so everybody knows. We're not together. We're practicing social distancing, uh, probably about <laughs> a good 40 miles away. So we're all safe here. But uh, Patrick, how's it been for you, man? You know, and I won't even lie to you, Johnny. I, I've been actually kind of enjoying this fucking quarantine, man. Like, you know, I've just been sitting at home playing some cards with the family, uh, having some beers. Uh, beers are cheaper at home than they are at the bar. I kind of I miss the bar a little bit, and I feel like if this quarantine gets too much longer, I'm going to start really missing the bar. However, so far, so good. Like, you know, we're saving money. Like, we're not racking up those huge tabs at the bar on the weekends like I normally would would be doing so it's not so bad i've been enjoying it i don't know about yourself yeah no i mean i'm with you it's not too bad in certain aspects there are some things that i miss um like honestly like tonight probably would have been a night that i would have gone out and met up with a couple of friends uh to watch such an epic game like we're about to recap here but uh so there's some aspects i miss about that but like you said with the cost uh there are certain uh positives to it as well so uh definitely enjoying that and uh i see you've got a few modellos going on here just before we get into everything um it's fun to let everybody know and i told the four feathers group chat before he came on but i'm enjoying a nice red tonight because this game like a good wine ages well it ages well i go back and see it and i still get the same goosebumps i still get the same uh you know excitement out of it um what what we're about to break down here patrick so i just wanted to make that known i'm enjoying a nice red here a little uh cab uh so cheers i've never seen I've never seen you so fancy, Johnny. Yeah, I know. Che- cheers to Marion Hose. It, it, things get weird during quarantine, man. Uh, you got to switch it up. I drink, right. drank a bunch of beers last night. Wasn't really. I had a couple earlier, but then I wasn't really feeling it. And I had Italian food for dinner. So I was like, yeah, it's like, sure. Why not bring out the red? Yeah, Let's fitting. do that. So, yeah. So, might as well. cheers to that. All right. <sighs> l- let's get into it, though, Patrick. W- what was going on tonight? was the third broadcast of the Hawks Rewind that has been running. If you were not aware, uh, NBC Sports Chicago is running Hawks Rewind games, and they are starting with the 2010 Stanley Cup run. And basically, they're airing every win from that run. Um, It started, and Tony and I broke it down on St. Patrick's Day Tuesday night with the um, Game 2 against Nashville. Um, Let's see, and then you and Ron, uh, you guys broke down on Thursday night the Game 4 winner. And tonight is game five, back at home, uh, 2-2, tied series. This game taking place on April 24th, 2010 at the United Center, the Madhouse on Madison. Um, And like I said, I said in the intro, one of the greatest games in Blackhawk history. We'll get to why that was uh, in the, the, uh, you know, in the moment and then looking back at it long term uh, later on into this thing. But Patrick, going into this, tied 2-2. The series at this point, um, Nashville with a couple of commanding wins and then the wins that the Hawks had being shutouts in this one. And going into this game five, you kind of got the sort of aura that this is going to be a very determining game on who would move on from the series. Yeah, you know, it's it's one of those things uh, when you look back on the Joe Quenville teams of like all throughout all their playoff runs is like. In a series, they always had some tendencies kind of start out slow. I think they had that stat where, like, if it was a game three in a series, you could bet your bottom 
dollar they were going to lose it. Um, but like mm-hmm. game five, six, and seven, like that's all they did was win these games. And like Nashville, like Nashville got as close as they could have to winning this game. And obviously we'll get to that, you know, here in the coming minutes. But like this game was of the utmost importance. Like if the Hawks don't win this game, and here's here's one of the things that I always go back and look on is if the Hawks don't win this game, what the hell happens? Because mm-hmm. they don't win this game. Maybe they don't win the cup in 2010. And that team was getting tore down whether they won the cup in 2010 or they didn't because that those cap restrictions were going to hit them hard. And, you know, they could have it could have got tore down. You could have talked about Stan Bowman getting fired at some point because obviously 2011, 2012 didn't go that great, you know, but at least they were coming off the cup in 10 where they had a little ground mm-hmm. to walk on. You could have, you might have looked at something. They might have had a big shakeup. There was always, I don't want to call them rumors, but there was always people, you know, chirping a little bit to trade Patrick Kane, go yeah. trade him for an elite goalie. Maybe that's yep. something that happened. Maybe that's something that could have happened. So, like, this game was like the ultimate turning point in Blackhawks history for this dynasty to go win three Stanley Cups. They don't win this game. All bets are off. You you have no clue what could have possibly happened. It could have 100% changed the entire direction of this franchise. Yeah, absolutely. I think you put it very well there, Patrick. So uh, we've set the stage for you. Like I said, Game 5, Western Conference quarterfinals, 2010, Blackhawks Predators, April 24th, 2010. Let's get into what actually happened into this game, Patrick. Um, Nashville opens the scoring at the 623 mark of the first period. David Legwan, uh, at this point, the point leader uh, of the series. Um, and the Predators started to press a little bit after that. The, you know, the they didn't have too many shots uh, on net before then. Uh, you know, that those Blackhawks teams were so fast. They did such a great job of containing the puck in their own zone. But after Nashville got that goal, they had a little bit of momentum rolling. Uh, they were creating a little bit of havoc. Um, but then the Blackhawks, after maybe about two minutes of slacking off, even after giving up that goal, um, they step up big time. And they get goals from Andrew Ladd and Nicholas Jalmerson to take a 2-1 to one lead into the locker room after 20 minutes. So um, what's your feelings after uh, period one? Because, you know, you're looking at, you know, shot numbers here um, after the first period, 10 to four shots on goal uh, Blackhawks. And that would, uh, we'll get into it, but that would continue into the second period here. Um, shot attempts being 17, 11 in favor of the Blackhawks uh, scoring chances and high danger chances all in favor of the Blackhawks, uh, much unlike this year's team that you've heard us recap here many times. So uh, what's your thoughts here? Uh, going into the locker room or any comments on these early goals uh, from this one, Patrick? Yeah, you know, it was just one of those things where uh, those Hawks teams have passed, you know, they could they could have the slow start and it really wouldn't matter because they would always they would always bounce back. They found a way. <clears throat> and like you said, they were just so goddamn fast that, you know, it was it was really tough for a team to just play in a complete 60 minutes with them. Because at some point you get a little tired and the Hawks just seemed to never really get tired. They could always, they just kept coming and coming and coming. And it's like these teams could weather the storm for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then eventually they get them. And another thing too was just like the passing on this team. And this is this is one of the hugest differences between the Hawks teams of past and the team now. Is the passing was always so goddamn crisp. It was 
it was tape to tape to tape to tape every single time. They they just did all the little things right. They went to the net. They they made all they just made all the little plays. They did everything right. And you see it. And then you go into it too with this team, the depth. You look at Andrew Ladd scoring a goal. Nicholas Jalmerson uh keying in too. He gets one. It, it it wasn't even the big guns getting it. It wasn't Taze, it wasn't Kane, it wasn't mm-hmm. Hoso, it wasn't Patrick Sharp. It was those two. And you know, that that's what you need on a championship team, and that's why the 2010 Blackhawks were so good. So you look at that first period, you look at that, and you you consider that a win. You get the win, you get the lead after uh, this the first period. Now, obviously, things started to get a little murky after that, but like, yeah, going into that second inter- or the first intermission, you should be feeling pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we're here at Four Feathers Podcast. We are huge Blackhawks nerds. Um, so this is what we do. Obviously, we're taking the time to break down these games in podcast form. I write down some notes, some reflections, some stuff that I thought of at the time, and then also just observations from rewatching it now. And so some of my notes from this first period were, you know, like I said, the response uh, after, you know, Leguan uh, opening the scoring, putting Nashville up first, uh, and then the Blackhawks responding um, not all too long after, maybe about, you know, four minutes or so after that um you know Niemi coming up with some big stops I feel like that was a theme throughout this thing um even though his goals against average and his save percentage in this game especially after the two other ones that he won in this one were shutouts um even with the goals given up in this game on the few amount of shots that Nashville had there were points in this one where anti Niemi made some uh, big stops you got a little help from your friend the post um and then another big thing you talked about the passing um I really touched on that with Tony uh, on Tuesday and I'm sure you and Ron elaborated on that even more on Thursday night. But um, another thing that I the defense was active um, all the time. And it, yep. it's, you know, of course, sure, everyone's going to say, oh, well, they were just young. They were faster. They could do that. They could afford. They had the legs to get back. Okay, well, tell me why then Brent Sopel, a, a veteran guy who everybody used to love to rag on for being slow, why he's the one trying to facilitate offense in the Ozone. That's because they were unafraid Patrick they had no fear oh, they, yeah. they didn't care they were doing anything to generate scoring chances towards the net um and it was just such a different mentality they were hungry bottom line um in that and then just getting into a little bit into the goals is that um Andrew Lads he's right out in front of the net we've seen that at least in the one that Tony and I broke down on Tuesday night he, he got two goals that are right out in front of the net and takes one of them Patrick Kane or excuse me Patrick Sharp uh, another one in that uh first win of the Stanley Cup run um out in front of the net this time it's Andrew Ladd uh getting the job done there um and they just had un- unbelievable support uh on the forecheck in the offensive zone and you know, it seemed like everything was just a little bit crisper, a little bit quicker, a little bit um, more tape to tape. Um, so th- those are my takeaways from the first period. So uh, enough of that. Uh, let's get into the second. Blackhawks extend the lead. Uh, they give themselves a two goal lead. What most dangerous lead in hockey, Patrick? Um, but yeah, it was uh, Thomas Kopetsky uh, this time. And um, then that was uh, this game later uh, in the second period. It was at the sixteen twenty four mark for Kopetsky, assisted by Hosa and Hammer on that one. And then uh, Joel Ward, shorthanded goal, uh, kind of a bad turnover by Patrick Kane. Uh, that goal from Ward came at the seventeen thirty one mark of that period, assisted by Legwan. Keeps on adding to his point total in the series. Um, but you know. Uh, sure. At the end, it sucks. Giving up a shorthanded goal, you hate. You know, when you're a team on the power play, you're the one that should be scoring. Uh, you give that up. But hey, Kopetsky scoring earlier, he was such a big role player on this team. Uh, talk about him a little bit. Yeah, it was. 
And that 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 goal with Kopetsky too, it was you know it's it's one of those things that you always they always talk about it in hockey. It's you always dream of you know you come out of the penalty box and hey holy shit I'm on a breakaway because mm-hmm. here comes a puck. It rarely happens, but you know it is one of those things where it's like it's the perfect opportunity for it to happen because more than likely than not, you know as the penalty expires, the other team's going to be in the offensive zone. If the puck can find its way just in the perfect amount of timing as you're coming out of that box, you're on the breakaway, um, he comes down, and Pecorini d- didn't play it well at all. He just kind of got lost out there in his crease. And Kopetsky, you know, he had great patience, and he put it in. Um, you, you'll you even see later as the Hawks, do, or as NBC Sports Chicago does these rewinds, uh, game one of the Stanley Cup finals against Philadelphia, he has another play sort of similar to it where he just stays so patient where the goalie tries to overplay it and he just keeps skating and all of a sudden he's got an easy tap in. It happened for him twice in these playoffs. First one comes in this game and, you know, all of a sudden you're up three to one. You're feeling real good about things. You know, you're you're almost thinking in this situation uh, when it's three to one, you're kind of thinking not only is this game over, but the series might be over. Like Nashville gave you your push. You know, we're the, they were the underdog. A lot of times when these things happen, the underdog starts to fold a little bit. And, and you expect the Hawks to close the game out and then go into Nashville in game six and, you know, close the series out. Again, that's that's obviously not what happened in this game. But it was like you would be feeling really good after yeah. this. And But, you know, it, you go back to Kopetsky too. It's just one of those things. Like this team was so deep. I think there was even some instances in those playoffs like, Kopetsky didn't play every game. He was a healthy scratch in some of them, but like he was a very good player. Like when they brought Hosa in and they they showcased Hosa, they had Kopetsky right there with them. Now yep. they're they're uh, they're country mates, so that had a lot to do with it. But he was a very good player too. Like he he was a key part of this team, and it just goes to show how deep they were. That like a guy like Tom Thomas Kopetsky could be a healthy scratch in some of these important games. But you know he was good in this one. He was good in a lot of the games he played, and he scored a big goal there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think, you know, the there's kind of uh, stuff that Doc and Eddie both pointed out, like um, on Kopetsky's goal there, uh, it's, you dream of that. You, you dream of that coming out of the penalty box when it's launched um, and you're set up for a breakaway. And obviously he was able to convert on it, Pecorine being a little bit too aggressive, trying to get out on the poke check. And that's what allowed him to get a round and have that open net on the other side. Um, but one thing that, you know, that leads to that, uh, obviously the goal is great and we all love the highlights. But um, just thinking back before that, that's coming off of a penalty kill so he was the one coming out of the box if the penalty kill doesn't do their job and get it done right. then you don't even have that opportunity and the penalty kill was great early on in this game um for all throughout the series up until that they were perfect um even through this one uh that we're talking about with the skopetsky uh um goal right out of the penalty box in the second period of game five here they were great and obviously that is going to be a big theme uh, as we get towards the end of this one so i just wanted to do that uh make that known uh, a few of the other notes that i had in there um they're aggressive on the pk that was another thing um they, they were not afraid to go out and pressure the puck take away passing lanes whereas i feel like they play a very very tight box now at least um, they did uh, last season. Th- this season, I will give them credit, especially with the addition of Ryan Carpenter. When we're comparing this team to, you know, modern day Blackhawks hockey, uh, they've done a better job. And obviously, the penalty kill rank has shot up. They're up into the top ten before the season was suspended for coronavirus concerns. But um, just wanted to make that known. Uh, it used to be a very aggressive sort of thing. Really, 
kind of clamped down into a very tight box that I think burned them a lot uh, in most recent years, but finally they're getting back to having a better penalty kill. So if there is one bright spot we can take out of the modern-day Blackhawks is that the penalty kill is finally starting to look a little bit resurgent. Um, but other than that, a few other things that people forget in here. Uh, Taves is cross-checked by Suter hard into the boards uh, during the second frame, and uh, he was hurting. He, he's, I think he missed at least one shift there, and sure, he did come out after that, but man, uh, he, he got it right in the back where there's no padding there between the uh, you know, the pants and the uh, shoulder pads uh, right in the middle of the back, straight into the board, so that can't feel good, especially from Ryan Suter. He's a big guy. Um, he, he is a big, strong defenseman. Um, another note that I had was Brent so never afraid to fire it to the net man i I know this guy gets you know uh all all the praise in the world for his shot blocking and that was his specialty what everybody remembers him for but man we we were talking about this guy offensively he was not afraid to facilitate plays and just fire it at the net I, i think that was great and then my other thing here was um suppressing shots um i talked about the numbers at the end of the first well at the end of the second you know it is only four more shots for the predators 24 to 8 uh, Blackhawks led in shots uh, at the end of 40 minutes of this game. 40 to 19 in, in shot attempts. Um, pretty ridiculous. Uh, and, you know, the fact that it was that close, um, it, I think it made you sweat a, a little bit. But um, it was, I, I really just want to say that the, this team was able to get it done in so many ways because the other two that we've talked about already, the two first wins in this, um, in this playoff run, we're in the Emmy no-nos, uh, complete shutout. So, uh, you yeah. know, no goals going in, whereas more goals going in on fewer shots this time. Uh, it just seems like a complete flip of the script for that. Um, so let's get in the third here. Uh, Martin Erat uh, was the story uh, of the National Predators in the third period. Uh, just a minute 34 into this one, uh, the final frame of the um, uh, this game here. He, he tallies one, uh, his third of the series, and, and then goes again, uh, 11.49 uh, of that period for his fourth one uh, of the series. And that then puts the National Predators in the lead here. Um, everybody's sweating a little bit at this point, Patrick. Yeah, no, big time. It was Martin Egret had himself a little bit of a, a, a series there, you know, two in the period and his fourth of that series. He he. he he like you said, he was a story of that period, and you do start to sweat it. It was like, what the hell just happened? Like the Hawks were dominating, and it's almost one of those things where it's like maybe Niemi got a little cold because he wasn't seeing a whole lot of action in the first mm-hmm. forty minutes. But then, hey, oh, here they come in the third, and you know they just weren't really ready for it. And all of a sudden, it was like you know you're feeling good. Um, you were. You were thinking, like I just said earlier, you were kind of thinking as a fan in the back of your mind, like maybe this series is over, and it's like, oh, hold up. No, it's not. Like uh, We're starting to stare down the barrel a little bit of losing this game, and now we're in a dangerous situation of uh, having to win game six and seven. And you started to panic, and but you know you still had a little bit of time to play with, and you just kept thinking, like, well, they'll tie it up, they'll tie it up, and then it just kept getting later and later. It was like... Well, you know, when's it coming? When's it coming? Maybe it's not going to come. And you talk about sweaty palms like that was just uh, symbolic of all those all those big games that we watched over the years. Um, I believe this one, I think, was a uh, I believe it was like a Saturday afternoon. I remember it being an afternoon game. 
Um, so it wasn't, it didn't really play into like that late night thing that we would do with like overtimes and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Like if you look back to like 2015 in Anaheim, like that, the longest game in Blackhawks history when Kruger won it. Um, yeah. it was like, I remember that one going until seemingly like two o'clock in the morning. This one was at least an afternoon game. So it was like, you still had like, you were like in, you were awake completely. So like, you were just, maybe that even played more into the nerves. You were like, Oh my God. You, you, the palms sweat, you can't sit down. It was one of those things. You start getting nervous and nervous. And that was that third period. And maybe that was a good primer for everything that we were going to experience later on in this in these Hawks runs. Yeah, absolutely. I think you put it well there, Patrick. Uh, because and another reason that you got to um, be a little bit nervous even more, uh, obviously the score itself being concerning, but it, it looked like for the most part early on this game, and there was a line on the broadcast tonight, and it was Pierre saying that, you know, the Blackhawks bench is kind of surprised right now. I think it was at some point early in the third period that this game is only, you know, whatever they were at the time, um, or this game is tied somehow, even though that they've had so many on onslaught of shot shots here um, in this game so far, and they've limited the Predators to, you know, a, a fraction of what they had in favor of them. So uh, there, there was that. And then after that ERAT second goal, mm-hmm. and that was at the 1139 mark, so even over halfway through this third period, the Predators started to push a little bit, and they started to find a little bit of offensive flow to their game. And maybe not everything was as clean, or, or maybe not everything was as direct as the Blackhawks' attack was uh, when they were really rolling. But, man, there were a couple just greasy plays where they were able to, you know, someone carry in along the right-wing boards, uh, throw a centering pass, and they someone just throws a stick out in front of it, and Yemi has to make a good save on him. Um, so th- that's another thing that just builds up I- into what we're about to, you know, embark on here so um uh, let's get into it man well one of the most ridiculous scenes uh in blackhawk history i love the way charlie Emiliotis, the um, beat reporter uh insider for nbc sports chicago he was live tweeting along the game here um and he says i'm about to preface what's going to happen he says you know hollywood would laugh if you wrote this script for this game and try to put it into a movie um absolutely and this is what real. happened. It did not seem real. Blackhawks, empty net uh, down the stretch here, really pressing, trying to, like Patrick said, get that equalizer goal. 1857, Marion Hosa going to chase a puck behind the net, gives a shove into the back of Dan Hughes, who goes flying into the boards. Hosa gets a five-minute major penalty for boarding. Blackhawks are on a penalty kill now and down one goal. Just over a minute left. Predators should have the ability, and I think Edzo said it, you can play a little corners here. You can play a little four corners here if you want. Well, Yeah, and they were. They were for a little bit. They were. But then when a puck came up to the half walls, Blackhawks were able to disrupt it. Disrupt the feed, get out of the zone. Jonathan Taves takes it in along the left wing. A couple of different opportunities go wide, but it's held in. Shot comes through. Patrick Kane, who had been per- cherry-picking, all PK, standing out in front of the net, able to get his stick in the right position as Pecorine is over to the strong side where the puck is. Patrick Kane on the weak side, taps home the rebound. Um, absolute bedlam at the 1946 mark. Only 13 seconds left in this game, Patrick. Um, absolute bedlam. Man, I-, I tweeted out from the Four Feathers account, 
who misses the welcome to the madhouse and the madhouse on Madison uh, lettering along the banisters above the uh, 300 level. This was the definition of sending this place into the madhouse. Yeah, so I got a couple. I love that you mentioned who misses that. I believe uh, United Airlines was responsible for taking those down because people stopped calling the madhouse the United Center and they made... Um, the Blackhawks and Bulls take those down because people, because they stopped, they like, it would even be on a nationally televised game. And like, uh, Doc Emmerich's calling it welcome to the Madhouse in Madison and people stop calling it the United center. So I believe that's why that transpired, but yeah, right. (laughs) Screw you United. Um, but anyways, so we talk about it, we go into this and I'll even give Pierre McGuire a little bit credit going into this shorthanded goal. He 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 summed this up perfectly, and he was almost like what he says something along the lines of, "I don't know what Demis, Dennis Grebishkov was thinking here." Mm-hmm. If you talked about it with the uh, they could they could have played the four corners. They could have played the four corners until the horn sounded, and they would have been fine. And they were doing it so well, and then all of a sudden. Grebishkov decides I'm going to throw it out in front of the net because someone's probably there and we're going to score another goal and this game will be over. Nope. No one's home. And all of a sudden the Hawks are coming the other way and they get into the zone. Again, they move that puck around perfectly. Um, you got, I believe it was Taze, Sharp, Kane out there. Duncan Keith, he had Bowling. him out there. Yeah. And um, they get it around. I believe Sharp hits the post. And then it kind of worked, but even it was like, I remember sharp hitting the post and you just like, you were like, oh my God, that, that was the opportunity. The game's over. But even before you can almost get that out of your mouth, they work the puck around again. Tay shoots it. Rene makes a save and Kane's just like, it was, there was, there aren't many players in the league who would have put that rebound in because that puck really did shotgun off of Rene's pads. It came off so quickly where most players before they realized it was coming at them, it would have been past them. Like yep. Kane was like, Nope, it came. He seen it, it was right on his stick. And he, in, in an instant, not many players could have honestly made that play. Patrick Kane's going to make that 10 out of 10 times. And all of a sudden, and you see, I believe it was Joel Ward right there who would have been on Patrick Kane kind of look down and in so much defeat to the point where you almost think he probably thought to himself, fuck, fuck. Did we just blow our <laughs> opportunity to win this game, to win this series? Like, you know, they're probably thinking, uh, they got us, they got us. We had them and they got us. And it was, it's just one of these things where like these, these Blackhawks teams were never dead. They never said die. You know, you could look at that Anaheim series in 15, uh, that game five where they actually ended up losing in overtime. But like Tave scores, they were down two and Tave short, uh, scores two empty net goals. Or, well, the Hawks had the empty net and he scores twice. And they were just, they were never dead. They did shit like this all the time. It was just so symbolic. But then, you know, while you're so excited, it was like, well, we still have about uh, four minutes of penalty to kill someone yep. in overtime. But like, just I remember, you know, they the horn sounds. You're going into overtime. The United Center was it, it, loud. It, you would have swore they just scored with how loud that United Center was as the teams were, you know, skating into the locker rooms. Like when you hear that, it's hard not to get pumped up. And you, it wasn't almost. It was hardly even the back of your mind that like 
what if they don't kill the penalty? Like you just almost kind of knew they're going to kill that damn yeah, penalty was, and they're going to win this. The boys are buzzing. Um, I, I yeah. think that's you know a terminology that we've used here a lot. Um, it's very true in hockey, and it's where's Mo at? Where's Mo at? And she was on the side of the Blackhawks at, at that point. Um, especially uh, in the circumstances given uh, with, with the time remaining when Patrick Kane scored that goal. Um, and obviously um, during those times, the, the madhouse just absolutely rocking, um, packed building, uh, everybody with the rally towels going nuts. Um, it, it was on a Saturday, you know, it adds a little extra uh, booze to the fire, um, if I do say. And like you said, there were still about four minutes of penalty penalty left to kill because Marion Hostess penalty for boarding was a major a five minute one on Dan Hamhuse there. So there's a video that the Blackhawks Twitter account put out today and Marion Hostess said he was just silent that whole intermission. It was actually Marion Hossa himself taking a selfie video, walking everybody through what happened during this stretch. And he said, you know, he, he was just silent head down, you know, feeling like he, he was going to be the goat and not in a good way. Um, you know, and, he would eventually go from goat to hero in this one then, uh, in, in that sense of the word here, Patrick. So um, he said, full intermission. Uh, they got the full 18 minutes to think about it here um, because obviously there's no three-on-three bullshit. There's no shootout, nothing like that. In playoff hockey, uh, you go and play until a goal is scored and this thing is settled the right way, how it should be. Um, so after they come out, Blackhawks penalty kill holds strong, man. Uh, there were a couple of scary instances. Niemi had a couple of solid saves, a um, couple of shots, at least one I know that uh, came off the outside of the net. Um, so it's like close. That's a matter of whatever, uh, almost you know a foot to inches there. Um, if one of those shots is more directly on, then this game's over in favor of Nashville in overtime. But no, the PK holds strong. And um, getting down to the end of it there, as this thing is expiring, Bullen knocks the puck out of the zone, um, skates it up the ice, uh, and then it gets rung around. Sobel buys time into the zone. What did I mention earlier? Brent Sobel, not afraid, even as a veteran guy who's a little bit slower. Um, he didn't care. He buys time, skates up from that left point, um, and uh, buys some time in the zone. Jalmerson, who steps in behind him, is able to keep it in. Uh, drops it down back below the net. Dave Bullen tracks it behind the net, comes back out to the right point to Sopel as soon as they were able to rearrange in their defensive positions. Sopel, like I said, not afraid to fire the puck on net, throws it on net. It deflects off of Joel Ward's stick. He's got to be feeling awful, especially after that where he was in the Patrick Kane goal. Uh, deflects right off of his stick to Hosa, who had just come out of the box and skated to the front of the net. Hosa knocks it in. Hawks win 5-4 in overtime. Patrick uh, places up for grabs. Unbelievable. Like Charlie had said, Hollywood producers would laugh at you if you wrote this as a movie script. It was, it was one of those moments that like you'll never forget. As, if you're as a Hawks fan, you'll never forget where you were. You'll never forget who you were with, and just you, you were trying to celebrate it, but you almost just couldn't believe what the fuck just happened. Like it, like like you said with Charlie, like. No, yeah, Hollywood would laugh because, like, they score seemingly as time is expiring to tie it, and then, like, they kill off the penalty. And as soon as the penalty's over, the guy who took the penalty is mm-hmm. out of the box, gets himself in the perfect spot. A puck just takes a the world's luckiest bouts in the world and is right on his stick, and he just has to put it in a wide-open net. 
and all of a sudden the game's over and it, it was bedlam and like you just it, it was unbelievable and it was at that point where you knew well this series is over because Nashville gave you everything they had they should have won that game and I'll be damned if we're gonna lose game six or seven like it 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 was just unbelievable and you get it. I, I want to do the shout out to like John Weideman. If you haven't gone back and listened to John Weideman's calls of Kane's shorthand and goal and Marion Hosa's overtime winner, do yourself and log into YouTube and do that one because Weideman's call on Hosa's goal is absolute. It's in my opinion, like if if you're a Chicago sports fan, it's one of the greatest calls in like Chicago sports history, where he's just you know like. The thing that I've always loved about Wideman too is just like you can tell he's just a Hawks fan up there calling games. Like when the Hawks win, he's celebrating there right there with you. He's screaming into the microphone and he's just he's as happy as anyone that the Hawks just won. And the celebration was on, man. It, it's one of those great afternoon games. You get to you have the whole rest of the day to celebrate it, and it was phenomenal. And that's one that I'll always go back on YouTube and watch it over and over again because this game was unbelievable and just it's hard to put it into words. Yeah. Patrick, it really is. And just a testament to John Wideman there. Um, another one, uh, obviously we wouldn't know this at the time. Uh, we're talking 2010 timeframe here, but uh, the 2013 Dave Boland's goal um, in oh, yeah. the second half of the 17 seconds. Uh, that's another one that I would advise Blackhawks fans uh, to check out. Um, like I said, Patrick, I, I write down some notes for these game here, games here um, after uh, on this. And the last thing that I have here is it was a fucking movie. That is literally the yeah. last thing I have on here. Uh, we've discussed why it was. Um, like you said, you set the stage for the scenario there. The guy who takes the penalty is the one that ends up coming out of the box and scoring the game-winning goal right away. Um, this is a team of destiny. And then it wasn't just luck, I'm sure. And I think any team, even the best teams in the league, they're going to get their you know puck luck. That's what they call it. The hockey gods will reward you for doing the right things. Well, Blackhawks did the right things for the most part of this game uh, in the possession terms of uh things and they're they're obviously rewarded here um eventually down the road rewarded the stanley cup um and, and that kick-started a dynasty um the first salary cap dynasty and i'm not afraid to call it that i know people have said oh, oh is it or is it not and it's okay yeah no it is uh in the cap crunch times where you have to go and retool reassemble um get new faces in there get new role players in there um th this was really what kicked everything off here because like you'd said going back to how we preface this game patrick i think you put it really well what if this team is going to have to get dismantled no matter what um if they won or not but it's like what ground do you have to walk on after that do you have a Stanley Cup or do you have a first round exit? They had a right. Stanley you would, Cup to walk out. You would have been looking at three straight first round exits after making the conference final in 2009. Yep. Yeah. So the what if game, man. Um, I, I'm lucky that it went. Uh, we we all we all are as Blackhawks fan. Lucky, thankful that it went uh, in, in the direction that it did. Um, but man. From here on out, you know, th this was some of the most adversity that they faced. And we don't want to, you know, break anything. We don't want to get too much into how it went on, went down, down the line uh, of this run because NBC Sports Chicago is going to continue these Hawks Rewind games. And we here at the Four Feathers podcast uh, will be doing Blackhawks on tap postgame shows. 
for all of these uh, as they continue to go forward. And I think our guys, uh, Ron Luce and uh, Tony Marchese, they will have a fun one, you know, probably not as fun as we had uh, in terms of the dramatics of this game, Patrick, tonight, but they get the clincher. Uh, they, they're going to be talking about some yeah. handshakes between the Predators and the Blackhawks on Tuesday night when that thing airs. So um, we'll do a line change. Those two will swap in. Um, Patrick and I may be back here for Thursday night, uh, maybe a combination of any of us uh, that you've heard on the mic here um, while we're all in quarantine, at least enjoying these games here. But um Patrick, it was a blast getting on here, recapping this thing with you. Um, what an epic game. If you haven't already, um, I just want everybody to go and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Four Feathers Pod. Uh, that is the handle for both of those platforms there. Um, I'm gonna just going to throw a little uh, you know, self-promotion out there. I made an excellent video. Um, it, it's a host of appreciation one that we miss you more because, you know, we, we responded to the Blackhawks Twitter account when they posted that today, but, um, it's just an epic compilation of, of all of, of some of Hosa's just greatest goals in a Blackhawks sweater, um, there. So if you want to go and check out a nice highlight video set to some, uh, touching music for him, uh, on how we feel about him over at four feathers podcast, please go and do that. That's at four feathers pod on Twitter and Instagram. And like I said, all of this is brought to you by the on tap sports network. Uh, go and check us out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all at on tap sports or backslash for the Facebook variety there. Um, Patrick final thoughts before we close this thing out. Yeah, just final thoughts. You, you had me thinking about Hosa there, and uh, that's kind of a little bit of a theme of this episode. I feel like this game was kind of where, you know, you know Hosa's pressing a little bit uh, coming into these situations. He had just lost back-to-back uh, cup finals, one in Pittsburgh, one in Detroit. And, you know, you're kind of, you know, he's pressing a little bit, and I feel like this is kind of the game where you get, your mo- get the monkey off the back a little bit. This uh, is his first Blackhawks the- playoff goal. Yeah, exactly. And um, as Weideman famously screams through his call that it was Marion Hosa's first Blackhawk playoff goal was a game winner in overtime. But, um, you know, this was a game that played a big part in, you know, getting Hosa some confidence and getting him rolling, doing these playoffs. And, you know, it's just it's Marion Hosa, man. And I can't wait until the day where we get to see him again in the United Center because, you know, damn well, they better be throwing 81 up in the rafters at some point here. Uh, he's going to be getting it inducted into the Hall of Fame here in the cu- coming years, and the Hawks should be throwing him up there. So you can't wait. Like, this was the game. This was Marion Hossa. This is kind of where the legend of Blackhawks Marion Hossa kind of really, really gets itself going, and it was great to see for him, especially because, like, he said in that video, and you could almost hear it in his voice a little bit, that, you know, he felt so bad about the penalty, and he thought that he had just cost the team so big and you know they kill off the penalty for him and he jumps back on the ice and he scores the big goal so you know like we're like we're going to title this one host of forever yeah uh, host of forever um i think that's a good way to sum it up man um i think we all uh, appreciate marion host i know tony is a big host of fan he's a little bit disappointed he couldn't get on this episode but uh, i'm sure he will give some praise uh to the demigod himself um when they talk about game six uh, come Tuesday night for that Hawks rewind one. Um, like I said, that, like I said, that'll be uh, game six uh, of the Nashville series, 2010 Western conference quarterfinals um, that airs on NBC sports, Chicago, all those games, 7 PM central time. Um, so tune in, uh, go and watch it. 
tweet along with us. Uh, we'll be live tweeting those as we have been for the past three of them. Uh, we will do it throughout the whole run. Um, and then tune in afterward because you want a little reaction to it. You want a little uh, something to break up your quarantine. You want a little um, news that's not, I mean, I guess it's not news here, but um, analysis, uh, something, content uh, to break up all the news uh, streams that you'll be watching all day. They're just giving you doom and gloom left and right. Uh, we're here for you. Uh, we're here for you. Uh, interact with us, listen to us, uh, and give us a rating uh, on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you listen to us, uh, we'd really appreciate that. Um, so, Patrick, that being said, I- I've got six words to close it out. Jesus, Mary, and Hosa, let's go Hawks. Let's go Hawks, baby.